All right. Good time of fellowship this morning, which is one of our favorite favorite times of the morning. Uh, I want to welcome everybody this morning. I, I'm, I see some new faces. That doesn't mean you're new. That just means I, I don't remember seeing you before. And that's part of the beauty of getting older is because everything's kind of fresh all the time. Al, all I know is that when you stood up during worship, we all had to move to one side or the other. My name is Jim King. I'm part of the leadership team here at Outpost, which is my privilege. And uh, our primary teaching leader is Greg Brooks. Most of you know Greg. And uh, be... that could be me. I don't know. All right. Uh, Greg is, uh, has been back in the southeast, and he's starting his journey home today with Liv. They're going to drive back, so as God brings you, uh, Greg, to your mind this week, if you would just pray for them and their journey back, they'll get back later on this week. I will say that the leadership team spent time together in prayer for Greg this week, just that he would get refreshment, that would he, he would have a good break. Uh, They were back at the camp that he and Bonnie used to be at years ago. And so uh, our prayers were not answered because of Greg. And I say that because Greg spent most of the time visiting with everybody else until 1 o'clock in the morning. So the the reality is is that uh, we want him to get rest and things on his way home, but not so much that, you know, he's driving. So we don't want him to rest too much. But be praying that the Lord really speaks to Greg. Uh, He's done a great job in leadership and teaching. And uh, we want to bathe him and Bonnie and the family in prayer this week. So lift them up. Uh, Why don't we start our time with prayer and then we'll get into God's word. Father, what a privilege it is that we can gather together as your children. God, in this nation that we live, that we have the freedom to gather like this. God, I don't want to take that for granted at all. I know that there's brothers and sisters around the world that gather in fear of even their lives to, to open the word, to have fellowship, to sing praise to your name. And God, they live in a way that it's all right there on the line. It's hard for us to perceive that, but I want you to help us through your word today realize the importance of grasping each moment that you give us. Lord, in these days, in these days that we face, and and Lord, all these voices are trying to get our attention to take us away from the reality of this moment, this time. So, Lord, help us. We, we ask you to give us courage and strength, God, that you will live through us through your Holy Spirit in this day, that we're, we're not ashamed of the gospel in any way. God, as we get into your word today, I just pray, Lord, that you'll open our hearts and minds to your truth. God, if there's anything that I say this morning that is not of you, just help my friends here, just let it slide, get rid of it. But God, if it is from you and your spirit, may their ears hear, may their hearts respond to what you're trying to say. And I lift this up to you in Jesus' name, amen. 
We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 this morning, so if you brought your Bibles, whether that's like a hard copy Bible or on your phones or some other device that I'm not even aware of, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to be in verses 17 through 24 today. Tommy last week did a great job of presenting this situation within the Corinthian church where people were struggling with marriage and divorce and immorality, sexual immorality and the, the things that they were wanting to accept within their church and they were asking Paul to answer some questions. This is really a continuation of that. But in my Bible, and maybe in your Bible too, I'm not sure, but in my Bible it has a heading at the top of these verses saying, live as you are called And again, it's in reference to divorce, marriage, relationship, those kinds of things. But it made me start to think, and before we really get going into these verses, I want to try to paint a picture, develop this idea, and it's going to be challenging. I know that it was for me this week, this passage was totally for me this week. And uh, what does calling actually mean? So I started to study this idea of calling. What does it mean? As I started to study this, it seems like, well, let me just ask you a question. If I was to go around and say, what does calling mean to you? I think we would come up with a big, broad range of answers of what that means. A lot of the times we think that calling is part of our gifting or the talents that we've been given. And we use that in our terminology, don't we? Like I was called to, you know, whatever form of work that you're in. Some of us would say that it's based on other uh, platforms or ideas like, uh, you know, we're given more talent than somebody else. I started to struggle with that idea a little bit because of my travels to uh, places of the world that have extreme poverty. And it doesn't, I have to wrestle with this idea that if calling is different, is is God giving us a different calling because we're born in the United States to middle class or upper class people rather than a child, a, a young Latino that grows up in the dump of Tegucigalpa, Honduras. So is there differences in calling? Now, a lot of what I studied and a lot of what I found was a, a general idea, whether secular or Christian, that went something like this. And this is out of a dictionary, by the way. And it says, calling is a strong desire to spend your life doing a certain kind of work It may not be what you're doing currently, but it is probably what you should be doing. And and a lot of us in here this morning would agree with that particular description of calling. I also read other interesting ideas about calling. One was from a life coach uh, from the Huffington Post. Okay? So take that as you will. There idea of calling is we're all put here with different personalities, passions, and skills. If you feel 
called, then you were put here, or called to make art, you were put here to make art. If you feel called to write, record, build, design, speak, or explore, then you were put here to do just that. That was this life coach's interpretation of calling. Now, personally, I have to stop and think, well, my idea of calling is not the same, so am I wrong? What's wrong with this picture of calling? If my idea of calling is dependent upon how I feel, I'm in trouble. I don't know about you guys. But my feelings change. Like, like my idea about work and what I do, even this week, was like, is this what God really wants me to do? Like, I'm not good at this. I'm not really worthy. You know, my, my deal this week was like, man, I'm not qualified to stand up and speak. And I'm not. But God is. And I love that, that but, but God intervenes. I need him to do that. But if it's based on, if your calling is based on your own feelings or what other people say to you about calling, we're in trouble because that changes all the time. Okay, some people, and, and by the way, in the Christian circle, it doesn't really change because as I was studying this week, towards the end of the week, different commentaries and passages uh, or, or articles that were written within the Christian field, we use uh, the term calling too as this some kind of spirit, super spiritual term. We do it all the time. In other words, it might be, well, you know, I feel so called by God to become a pastor, or uh, I feel called to attend this seminary, or I feel called to do the job that I'm doing. Even this week, I have a discussion with a person here in Outpost, and, and it goes to this idea of calling because of profession. Now, if I sit there and say, um, you know, I'm called to, to teach, and I'm called to, I, I'm really communicating to you that I have some kind of special insight into God and what he has for me. And some of you may be saying, oh, I don't feel that. I don't feel that same kind of calling. I mean, I don't hear from God in the same way that you might. Then all of a sudden, I, I might puff myself up and act more super spiritual than somebody else. It is not based on what God has gifted you in to do professionally. Listen to me. That is not God's calling for you. Now, he may gift you, and he may give you special talent to do a certain thing, and I hope he has, but that's different than calling. So as we get into the passage today, I think I, I wanted to just make sure that we laid this foundation because we might read the passage through our own filter of what calling actually means, okay? So uh, um, we're going to get into that in just a minute. What I began to uncover as I was studying with this was all these different angles of what calling really means. As Tommy was sharing last week about this idea of uh, Paul communicating with the Corinthian church about husbands and wives divorcing and sexual immorality and those kind of things, 
you can understand that when Christians get to the place where they start to say, calling is dependent upon our emotions and feelings, do you understand what happens? We can start to justify certain behaviors that God's word talks specifically about. Okay, and so there's a danger in our culture, you and I, not just to the Corinthian church, but you and I, that we listen to the, the, the ideas and the thoughts of culture that are based on feelings and emotions on the response of God's calling. That is not where we're going to get our calling, and we're going to see that today. I want you to listen to a passage uh, that I studied on a little bit and sat on a little bit this week. It's out of Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you. Now, is that about us? Do we have any saying about that? Does, is it based on our emotion? Is it based on our feelings? Is it based on any of the things that the world is telling us is part of this calling? The calling is God saying this about us. Isn't it a crazy thought that while you were being formed in the womb, he knew you. By name, he knew you. Part of his calling, actually everything about his calling is based on what he has for you from the foundations of the world. And to live in that in relation to what Tommy was saying last week is, why, why does he want you to stay in your marriages? Why does he want you to abstain from sexual immorality? Why does he want to do these things? For his glory. He ordained you. He sanctified you. He set you apart. And I'm telling you that a lot of us, when we face those tough things, we want to run. We want to accept what the world is saying and blame things on somebody else. And quite frankly, people have hurt us. We've hurt other people. The counsel that we may get from the people around us may be completely different than what God's word says. As a matter of fact, usually it is. God's going to say, hey, I'm not asking you to run. I'm not asking you to get out of your marriage. I'm not asking you to, to accept what's going on. I'm telling you to dig in there because I've given you a calling which can overcome those things. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. I tend to mess that up sometimes, and he's God, and he can even make my messes into something good. What God is presenting to the church in Corinth and to us today is really a questioning of this. And I want you to think about this when, before we get into the passage. Paul isn't really saying to the people there that your feelings are not that important because they were. What he is saying is, I want you to concentrate on the who of your calling, not the what's going on in your world. Now, if you guys are going through marriage issues, and I'm sure in this room there are some, do you think your feelings or emotions are going to you know, help you figure out what to do in that? Man, that's the worst time to depend on emotion and feelings. But the word of God and his word over you 
can give you the strength necessary to work through those issues. Does that make sense? You're not going to do it on your own, and I'm not going to do it on my own. Think about that for just a minute. If we believe that it's based on our feelings or our emotions, we want to be God. Let that sink in for just a minute. It's self-God. We think that we have the answers. We think we have the ability to fix. And Paul is saying, no, we need to concentrate on who rules in your heart, not based on feelings. Do we submit? Do you and I submit to the Lordship of Jesus as our primary calling? I want to start in verse 16. I know I said 17, but I want to start in verse 16 because really this is a progression of that. Verse 16 starts, For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Verse 17, but as God. Oh, there's a hope right there. That is our hope. Will the wife save her husband because of her feelings and emotions? Will the husband save his wife because of his feelings and emotions? It's no. But God, as for God, he has distributed to each one as the Lord has called each one. There's our calling. The Lord has called us. So let him walk. So I had to ask myself, what is the distribution that he's talking about here? What is Paul saying, uh, but as God has distributed to each one? What is that? What did he distribute? Okay, he didn't say, well, I'm going to distribute to you better emotions, better feelings, better understanding of your own depravity or whatever it might be. I had to come to the conclusion that what he was distributing here was himself. That was the distribution. You remember when Jesus was uh, nearing his ascension, he said, I must leave so that the comforter comes to you and fulfills his role. He's going to lead you into all the things that I've taught you. That's the distribution. If you're going through hard things and hard situations... Is the answer more of him? Yeah. That's exactly where the answer is. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. In those moments that we face in the Corinthian church, as they were facing these things, They were leaning towards the things of this world. They were leaning towards the philosophers and the the ideas and what was being accepted in their culture as, okay, that must be okay for us to do. But the reality is, is the Holy Spirit, if he has called us and we're children of him, we are going to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and we're going to say, man, what I'm involved in right now is so difficult. It is so hard You know, my relationship with my friend or my spouse or my child, the the things that are available to me on the internet or those kind of things that are wanting to take me away from my path with God, 
the Holy Spirit is going to say, that is not what I have for you. Stay in the fight. Stay in the battle. Live according to my principles. Minister to your husband or your wife. Minister to that person because of his great calling upon your life. That doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't at all. It's not simple. Many of us in here this morning, and I say this because I've gotten to know some of you and some of you have gotten to know me. We believe in the power of God. We believe that he wants to intervene and change lives. He wants to change marriages. He wants to fix broken hearts. He even wants to go into the deep places of our lives to heal those deep wounds that have either been given to us or given to others through us. But guess what? We think it's for everybody else but for us. Does that resonate with some of you? Like, I totally believe God can do all those things to somebody else, but maybe not me. Again, that's based on feelings and emotions. It's not really based on God's word. The more we live in the calling of God, the more we're going to let his word speak to us to overcome those areas of brokenness or doubt or fear. Verse 18. Was any of you called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called... While uncircumcised, let him not become circumcised. Like, what does that have to do with calling? The reality is, is what Paul is saying here is that whatever state you were in at the time of your calling, when you committed your life to that calling, don't be taken away to other forms of doctrine to where say, oh, okay, you were a Gentile, now you need to do the things of the Jew. Or you were a Jew, why do you want to act like a Gentile? That's really what he's saying here. When you're called, it's because of God intervening in your life. And you're responding to that. And that response means, hey, these other things that seem so important in the culture, they're not that important. The most important thing is to live in your calling. And the more you live in the calling, the the things of this world just kind of fall away. They're not that important. Listen in verse 19. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing but keeping the commandments of God is what really matters. Wow. How much more simple can that be? Like if you're in these areas that the Corinthian church asked Paul about, he's basically pointing them to say, listen, you know what the calling is upon you. You've received that. You know what the the commandments of God are. When was the last time that you guys opened up to Exodus or Deuteronomy and you read through the Ten Commandments? In our culture, everybody's like, eh, get rid of those. Now, that's archaic. It doesn't really mean, you know, the same today as it used to mean. Taking them out of city parks and taking them off of buildings and all those kind of things. Well, I go and I read Deuteronomy this week and I talk about, I learn about these ideas of fulfill the commandments of God. It's not a, an issue like, okay, check, I do all those things and I, you know, no, it is like I read through that list and it's like, oh my goodness, 
Like, I need God so bad because those laws that he wrote were for my benefit. They're for my good. And yet the culture pounds us all the time to do the exact opposite of what the Ten Commandments are telling us to do. Is God's commandments for us good? Do we believe that they're good? I don't know about you guys, but I mean, if you go through marriage situations, and I mean, Jenny and I have, we've, had, we've felt brokenness in our marriage. Like, how are we going to survive what's going on? And if it wasn't for the goodness of God and his commandments to us, I don't think we would have. That's reality. Okay, and Paul is crying out here and basically saying, man, the, the, live in the calling that God called you to do. One of the thoughts that I had as I was going through the week is this idea that we are pushed so strongly to, to live our lives on a horizontal plane. What other people are saying, what, you know, books are saying, and what the radio ads are saying, whatever it might be, we're getting all this horizontal input into our lives. Some of the people that are pouring those things in, they really mean a lot. I mean, they, they care for us, and what they're saying to us means a good thing. But the vertical plane is what Paul is saying here. Your relationship with God and the calling of God is going to give you the strength to get through the very things that the culture is trying to dump on you. These horizontal things, that they may help, they may be good, but they're not the best. As we concentrate on those things, we want the best. We need to understand and believe that the, our Heavenly Father, who loves us and created us, he wants the very best for us. He has a different way for us to live. That's what we're trying to emulate here at Outpost as much as we can, and we fail. <laughs> Don't look to the leaders to be these perfect people. We fail just like you. And, and, and we confess to each other the, the sin issues that we have and, and then our need for community. God has a different way for us to live. He had a different way for the, the Corinthians church to live. Don't accept these things and then try to hide and, and almost flaunt it in the culture. Understand that God has these things for us in his calling. So really, this is about identity, isn't it? What's happening here is about our identity. And if we identify with the things of the world and what the horizontal plane is telling us, in our culture, we're going to feel pretty frustrated and potentially pretty defeated as believers. Let me read a few passages to you about what God's identity is for you. Ephesians 2.10, which is a special passage. We are his workmanship created for Christ, in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you understand what that means? He, was, he created us. We're his workmanship. We're his. He is the one that rules our lives. And we're created for good works, for good things. That idea of workmanship really means poema. You're the great poem of God. Some of you are like, yeah, whatever. 
The great poem of God? Yes, he's writing your story. And it's a special story. It's a calling from him to you as his child. And I love that. We're his masterpiece. Wow. We are God's masterpiece. Can we live in that? Can we believe that? Proverbs 3, 5 and says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's his promise to you. That's his words for you. If you're in these conflicts and all those other things, does that feel true? Not often. Sometimes we're like, man, my own understanding is things are blown up. I don't have a a way out of this. It's terrible. But God's word says, no, I have this for you. You trust in me. Don't rely on your own emotion. Trust in me and, and acknowledge me in all things and I'll make your path straight. 2 Kings 20 verse 5 says, the Lord says, I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears and I will heal you. Now, it may not be in the way that we think. It may not be in the way that we say, well, he's not healing me the way that I want, but he will heal you. Lamentations, a passage that many of us love. It is because of the Lord's loving kindness that we are not consumed because this compassion does not fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's God's word to us. This is the way that he sees us. This is our identity. He knows that really in his holiness, he could consume us because of our sin. And yet he says, no, because of my great mercy for you, my compassion for you, I'm gonna make it new to you every morning. And there's all these other verses that I could go through, but I'm gonna run out of time. Because of the calling of God upon your life, regardless of your current circumstances, your past hurts or pains, your current sin issues or past sin issues, failure, successes, all these things that on the vertical plane get put onto us. Isn't that true? We live in a, we live in a culture that it's based on performance. Aren't you glad that God doesn't throw us aside or cast us out because of our performance? Wow. Praise the Lord for that. It's because of God's calling upon you. It's important for us to, to get that in our, in our hearts and minds. Verse 20, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Now remember, if we think that that's based on uh, your job, if, if, if it's about your profession, if it's about your feeling or emotion, you're going to read this verse in a certain way. You're going to say, oh, I'm supposed to stay in this. I'm supposed to stay in the same way that I, I feel. I'm supposed to stay in, the, stay in the same job. That's not what it's saying. Remain in the same calling in which you were called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be free, rather use it. Now, remember this idea of calling. It doesn't matter whether you're free or a slave. 
It doesn't matter whether you're male or female. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter all the things that the culture is throwing on us right now. None of that matters. What matters is that God calls you. And we live in that. If you're a slave, fine, you're a slave. If that's your job, if that's the way it is, be faithful to the calling as a slave. He goes on to say, hey, for him who was called in the Lord while a slave, you're the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. He's basically painting this picture. You know, whether you're, you're free or a slave, it doesn't matter. You're God's. You're Christ. You're called by him to live. Verse 23 says, you were bought with a price. Do we live in that? Do we live in the reality that God gave every single thing that he could give to call us to be his children. The price is everything. The price was everything that he had. You know, I love the, the parable. I didn't write down the, where that was at, but I love the parable of the, uh, this field that is presented to us. And in the field is this great treasure And the idea is that we know that the treasure is in that field. And we're we're willing to sell everything. We're willing to give up every single thing to gain that field that has that treasure in it. That's the calling of God right there. The calling is like, I'm valuable. I'm the most valuable asset you will ever have. You'll never gain anything else that's going to give you what I can give you. The last part of verse 23 says this, and it, it's, it hits home. Do not become slaves of men. What is he saying here? To the Corinthians church, to us. Don't give yourself over to these ways of man that tell you that, oh, this is what your calling is. This is what you should be doing. This is the way you should live. This is acceptable. What does God say? Trust in what God says about your life and live in that calling. I was thinking this week a a little bit about this idea of how do you live out that calling? We're going to get into that a little bit more in just a second. But just on a side note, I was helping uh, move a lot of things for my mom and dad this week. And they're they're going to close on a, a place this week, and we're moving stuff over there. And there were some heavy things uh, that I really needed some assistance with. I mean, I, I could have got it in the house, but who knows what kind of shape it would have been when it got in there, <laughs> right? And this guy comes walking across the street, and he introduces himself. His name was Josiah, and our son's name is Josiah. And so we struck up a conversation, and I could just tell when he walked across, and this guy's a believer. And, uh, he, he, and I asked him, I said, so Josiah, do you have a faith? And he said, man, I'm an evangelical Christian. All right, man, praise the Lord. We're, we know right now that we're in a different scenario. And he knew his calling. His calling was, I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to meet my neighbor, and I see that they're busy doing something, I'm going to help. Is that God's calling? Yes, it is. 
That's the gospel. I'm going to go love my neighbor as myself. And Josiah helped move some of those things in, and I got to know him. He goes to Cody Bible Church. Praise God for Cody Bible Church. I pray that they thrive and do well. I pray for them because I think today they're actually voting on whether to bring a new NM pastor. And that's what believers do. That's in our calling. We need to be lifting up all the other believers in this town and say, God, pour your spirit out on them. Help them to live within your calling. We can transform Cody. We can transform Powell. We can have that kind of impact if we choose to live in our calling. If we live in our own emotion and our own feelings and our own thoughts, forget it. We're just trying to be good people in the world. We got to have God, right? So I get to know Josiah a little bit. We have this discussion. And um, I don't even remember how the story turned, but I told him, I said, oh, I, I, I take teams in Central America, and I've taken several teams from Cody Bible Church. And he goes, oh, really? Wow, that's interesting. Like, where do you take him? I said, well, Central America. He goes, wow, you're not going to believe this, but my parents were missionaries, and I grew up on the field in Honduras. It was like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, my parents are moving in right across the street from this guy that grew up in the nation that I've served in for 27 years. You can't make that up. I mean, it is like God's provision and he's saying, if you ever need anything, you just come across. You just come across the street. Get a hold of me. I'll come help. That's living in the calling. We can do that. You and I can do this. Verse 24. Brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Do you guys remember what was going on in your world when God called you? Think about that for a minute. When he saved you, when he called you, when he revealed to you the need that you have for a savior because your emotion and your feelings are all over the place, you can't save yourself. Because of your sin issue, he stepped in. He paid a price for you. That's what he's saying here. Remember Remain in that calling. Remain in the place that God called you. It doesn't matter what state, where you were at, not geographical location state, but what, whatever you were involved in at that time when he called you, stay in that. Man, I would love to just open it up. I'm not going to do it, but I'd love to. Just to hear your stories. Just to hear your stories about, man, this is where I was at when God called me. That's where he wants us to live, more and more in those moments. I was sent this to me this week, and I want to read it to you as we, get, we start to get towards the end. I thought it was fitting for this, and, and I want to use this. I, I know it was for me, but I want to use this a little bit as a challenge to us this morning. There are 86,400 seconds in a day, which translates into 1,440 minutes or 24 hours. All of these moments can be filled with different memories. Time is measured by life and death. You can go to any cemetery and look at a headstone. It's going to give you the name 
of the person that is lying there. It's going to give you their date of birth. There's going to be a dash, and then there's going to be a date of death. The quality of our lives is in that dash. The purpose of our lives. Some would say how we used our giftings and the ability to grasp the important, uh, importance of each moment, each gift of time. Too often our minutes and hours and days are filled with things that seem so important at the time, but really they have very little value. We're easily offended in our culture. We care too much about what others think about us. We let past hurts, mistakes, and wounds hold us back. Soon we find ourselves just existing, sometimes in our own bitterness. We know that we're achieving far below our God-given calling has nothing to do with our own potential, our own goals, or our own possibilities because those fluctuate. Sometimes we meet them and sometimes we don't. But overall, oftentimes we find ourselves not fulfilling the calling of God. The average lifespan for a person in the United States is 78 years. Of those 78 years, 28 years are spent in some form of rest or sleeping. Statistics are now showing that seven of those 28 years are often spent tossing and turning because of worry or stress. 11 more years goes to the entertainment industry, mainly television, but now in today's culture, up to eight more of those years are time on the internet. 10.5 years go to working for the average person, four years to driving, three and a half years eating, and five years spent in some form of education and classes. If you add all that up, the average person has eight years to do what they really want to do or think that they want to do or enjoy doing. Eight out of 78. This same poll pulled 10,000 people over 75 years old, and nearly 91% had regret over time that they didn't fully comprehend and appreciate or go after God's calling. They would say that they were lost moments. We have all been given blessing and purpose and a calling from God, all of us in here. Why do we often settle for the average, the mundane, the forbidden, things that are forbidden to us by God? We spend a lot of time on that. By understanding the call of God upon our lives and his goodness, what he says about us as his children, do we grasp it? Do we grasp the moments given to us to live in that calling? It could be with your spouse today. It could be with your children. It could be with your friends. It could be with your neighbors. 
It, those things don't matter as much as saying, I'm going to live in my calling regardless of where I'm at. I'm going to grasp those moments. If I asked you a question this morning and it was like this, are you living in God's calling? How would you answer? And I want to ask you that because, hey, as believers, we need to be asking each other that. Are you fully living in that calling? If not, why not? How can we help? How can we be in each other's lives and community to make sure that we're calling people to live in that more and more fully? It affects marriages. It affects all of our relationships, the very things that the Corinthians church was facing. Some of you in here this morning are going to say, no. I'm not living that way. I'm not fulfilling my calling. I don't even understand what the calling is. Some of you might say, no, I still live in that doubt. I still live in shame. I still live in whatever these wounds are causing. I'm going to ask you to do something, and, and we talk about it every week, but we talk about it because it's so important. If you need somebody to talk to, to share with you exactly what this calling is and how to live that, would you come up after the service? I want to talk to you. You can grab one, a friend right next to you. It doesn't have to be me. But confess it. Just say, man, I'm not there. I'm not living that way. I'm trying to figure out things in my own emotion, my own thoughts, what, what this book told me to do, what my neighbor told me to do. Would you do that? It can be a little bit awkward, but so what? If you get freedom. I love Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, and this gives us a little bit of insight into the calling of God upon us. I love this passage. It reminds me of things that I need to hear. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. A calling. This place that God is calling us to, to set captives free. We're captives. We've been captives. We've been bound. We've been hurt. We've been in fear. We've been in sin. And God set us free. Amen. You, you have people in your world I know that needs that. Today's the day. Accept this call upon your life. Let's pray. 
Father, the, the mystery of this calling where you saw us before we were born, you scheduled each day of our lives before we even began to breathe. God, this calling that you have for us as children, it doesn't matter what culture, it doesn't matter what skin color, it doesn't matter what gender, it's this calling to say, you have this gift that you can go out and share with the world for my glory. And God, help us. Help us to understand that calling is not about profession. It's not about what we might choose to do so that you give us resources. It's about using those moments that you give us in our lives to pour out the gospel in our marriages, in our friendships, in our community groups, our places of work. God, your desire is that none should perish. Help us to be ambassadors for you, God, this week. Lord, touch us in a way that is meaningful and deep, God, that, that we hear that calling and live within that calling more and more all the time. God, thank you so much for your salvation on my life. I desperately need you. I'm so glad that you look upon me with such love and mercy and compassion. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.